Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster, and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we're going to be with you for the next hour talking about the news stories that have grabbed our attention this week. And we've got some amazing guests today talking about all things they're passionate about. Plus, as always, our badass balls ups, our backdated badass, all the things you look forward to, hopefully. Um, But we're starting, as ever, with a little news review because there are some really big stories this week and that you're kicking us off with, I think, the takedown of one of Hollywood's giants. This is definitely the takedown of one of Hollywood's giants and it's hot off the press. Um, An article published by the New York Times has outlined decades of sexual harassment accusations against Harvey Weinstein. So for those of you thinking, who is he? He is fundamentally one of the biggest producers, uh, runs one of the biggest production houses on on the planet, uh, including Pulp Fiction, uh, TV shows like Project Runway. But there are so many movies and TV shows that have been made and come out of his studios that you know it, it, it's countless. But over the last, well, since the beginning of his career, he has allegedly, yeah, quoted, yeah, allegedly. allegedly Um, made sexual advances towards women and Ashley Judd and a number of other actresses have outlined in great detail what would happen so he would say let's have a breakfast meeting they'd arrive at a hotel in Hollywood Uh, they'd then be ushered upstairs to his bedroom where he would appear in a robe and ask them if they wanted a massage or if they'd like to join him in the shower it's just so creepy (laughs) it is absolutely creepy creepy. and it's completely predatory Um, and there have been women that have spoken out but as usual, they were not believed. So as a result of this, a a number of women have shared similar stories and it's been taken seriously. And for once, Hollywood is standing up and saying, you know what, this is not right. This is not good enough. And he has responded, it's not Hollywood across the board, but he has responded with his own letter um, saying, and the opening line is, I'm a product of the 60s and 70s, a.k.a. It was okay when I started, um, but I'm sorry, I'm wrong. And he gives the whole diatribe of, of why he's wrong and that he's going into counselling. And then he says he's going to focus all of his time on things like the NRA, which is the uh, gun lobby in the US. He quotes Jay-Z, which I'm like, okay, dude, come on. Um, but for me, it was waking up to this story and seeing that, that women and actresses that we know have been harbouring and holding this as a secret for such a long time. But I think the other thing is it probably ha- it's not just him. This no. is a culture in Hollywood. It's yes. a culture. And it's I'm almost shocking to me how completely unsurprised I was by this story. Mm. Completely unsurprised. In fact, I'm sort of mildly surprised at the kind of almost like overly friendly uncleness about it. Did you it. eye roll almost and be like... Yeah, no. I did. And I was like, well, you know, he's inviting them off and he's in his bathrobe. I mean, did you expect anything else? And that's so sad mm. that we just think that is the norm. But yeah. how does how do people have... How do these men have the confidence to do that? <laughs> I just can't even imagine <laughs> thinking about inviting somebody to my room and like being that blatant about stuff it's like it's audacious is it just power Nat do you think it completely is power because his offer 
if they took up the advances was I can boost your career. And think about it. If you are a young actress coming into an industry and you're sitting with Harvey Weinstein and you want to be the next big thing and you think, okay, well, if I just let him touch my shoulder, I will get a movie. I can see the... he knows the power yeah. he has, and that is my frustration. I'm with you. It was almost, it wasn't the normalization of it, but it was almost that I did not, I expected this. In the same way, we, you know, we've heard stuff about James Cameron and others. You just kind of, you expect it. Allegedly. But, allegedly, all allegedly. <laughs> uh, but from his wife, anyway. Um, and not James Cameron and uh, sexual harassment, but him not being a feminist in the way that he claims. So I just, I think that I, I'm pleased Hollywood's taking note and... I, I, for that generation, maybe it's too late, but we have a whole new generation of male um, actors coming through, male directors coming through, male producers coming through, a whole new wave of actresses coming through. And I hope that a young woman sitting on a casting couch now isn't put in that position without knowing that she can stand up and say, this is yeah, wrong. But this is a symptom. It's networking, right? If you want to get ahead in your career, doesn't matter what career, it's networking. So if you are then somebody who's sitting at the top of a network, you're always going to have that position where you can abuse your power. Always. Well, hopefully this is the start of Hollywood standing up and saying it's not okay. I really hope this is the kind of fight back and the yeah. change for Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's overly hopeful, but that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, next story, Emma. Theresa May, are we feeling sympathy for Theresa May today? Yes, I am. I watched that speech. If anybody hasn't seen, Theresa May was at the the uh, Tory party conference this week and she did her big highlight spe- speech and just everything that could go wrong went wrong. So she had this like funny, co- irritating cough and I, we've all had that. I've, I've had that cough thing that starts in your throat and you don't realise you've got it until you actually have to start speaking. Then signage fell off the wall. Some comedian got up and handed her a P45 but she absolutely owned it. She totally owned it and I saw a really human side of her that I've just not been seeing and I was like, you did really well to hold that together because it was that it was, was a mess. Yeah, it was a mess and we've all had situations like that where you stood up at the most important moment and it's just everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong. But the backlash on her for it, which, yeah, okay, she's the Prime Minister, stuff should not go wrong. It should be a slick performance, but it wasn't. And I sort of feel this backlash is similar to what we saw with Diane Abbott um, you know, kind of in the run-up to the general election, which is, you're a woman, we're going to use the fact that you have screwed up here to just unleash all our hatred on you. And particularly when you're sitting in an environment where a lot of your colleagues don't really want you to be there. Now, do you think it's that kind of a thing that women deal with in positions of power when you're at a high level? And do you think women deal with it uh, in a more obtuse and overt way than men do? Um, Because they're seen as right for picking in terms of attack. And the attack from... It come, is coming from 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 men and women in you know most in, in most workplaces if you're at that level. But what I would say is that it's those challenging moments that show that really show who someone is. And going back to what you were saying, actually look at the character at that moment when everything is going wrong. How do they respond? That is the real That's person. Serious resilience, I think, to hold that together. And she even made a joke. She made a really funny joke when someone handed her a lozenge about the Chancellor never giving anything away for free, <laughs> which is just an off the cuff. She didn't yep. plan that. And I was like, I, I thought she was incredible. Like, yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah. Somehow, in the midst of that disaster, Theresa May has turned it around for us. And I don't know how she did it, but she has. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe maybe we're in an alternative reality today. Um, Our final story this week is about mental health, particularly mental health at work. And this comes on the back of a story this week from Japan, which has um, a young woman who works for the Japanese public broadcaster. um, And she died um, actually last month, I think. And it's been announced publicly. And the reason that for her death was given is something called karoshi. And that's actually a Japanese word. Apologies if I did not pronounce it correctly. I almost certainly didn't. Um, Japanese word for death from overwork. Because in the months working running up to her death, Miwa Sado had worked 159 hours of overtime. It's not even 159 hours, 159 hours of mm. overtime. Yeah. And the thing that I found really terrifying about this is there is a Japanese culture around work and the commitment to it and the more you put in and about not being seen to be the one who leaves the office. And we've sort of gone, well, that's something that happens over there. But it's not. It's Mm. something that happens here as well. And it follows on from a story um, that we know that more than one million UK employees 
are worried about facing demotion or dismissal if they share mental health issues at work. So we're really worried about saying, actually, I'm really stressed and I'm not coping right now Mm. in case it backfires on us. Now, would you feel comfortable talking about that? Do you think there is a culture where, particularly in the UK, where we can't talk about it? Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think that um, I have definitely heard stories where people have said, I feel that if I tell my employer that I'm on antidepressants or that I ha- have suffered from bipolar, that actually I won't be put forward for that promotion. I won't be given an opportunity to excel within this organisation. I'll be sidelined from meetings because they're worried about my mental health. Um and I, I, going back to the stat where you mentioned the one million, um, basically fifteen percent of, of of the population believe that they'll face demotion, and that's up from nine percent last year. So people, instead of the, the the conversation we're having about mental health helping people feel more comfortable, actually we're also becoming more worried about sharing this information with our employer. And I, I wonder about people in the gig economy. Going back to the overtime, we've got people working and logging lots of hours to no one because they don't really have an employer what is that doing for their mental health who's supporting them how do they reach out and and how do we ensure that we can have this conversation whether you're in an employer or external freelancers entrepreneur you know how 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 do we have this conversation without judging people within a work environment because it's you know everyone suffers with some kind of mental health issue at some point in their life there's just a varying spectrum of it but we need to support people and enable them to still thrive if they're in work or out of work so um about a year or so ago i was having a week i was just having a really really tough week and i wasn't coping with it particularly well and i was exhausted and i decided i was taking a day off i was freelancing at times so my my own time i decided i was taking a day off and i put on my out of office i'm taking a mental health day i'll come back to you tomorrow Mm. And the response to that was extraordinary. So extraordinary on the one side of people literally emailing me like, don't worry about this, I've got it, I didn't need to contact you anyway, don't don't come back on it, it's totally fine. And the other side of people who just couldn't talk about it, mm. could not acknowledge that it was a thing. Emma, would you ever do that? Would you want to see that from your employees? Yeah, I'm always, I've always been quite vocal about my mental health ever since I had depression and then um, had some CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, and that was a real eye-opener. And I'm very conscious about the people that I work with. And, we, you know, we have a policy of unlimited holidays. You work the hours you want. But what comes with that is that people have to really self-manage their time because you have to be aware of of what you what you need if you're gonna but also what that does allow is it allows people to flex so if you are having a dark day and I've had dark days you know regularly there's a day where you've just you know you don't want to see anybody you want to stay at home and having the flexibility to do that actually makes it easier to to pull yourself out of those kind of dips and and carry on where when you're trying to suppress your feelings because you've got to go to work or you've got to work these hours you don't actually deal with fear through fear you don't actually deal with that those emotions so I think that can it can be really harmful to your mental health it's so important but so we're going to be talking about this and more uh with our guest who's coming up next so excited we are so excited for this week's guest she is star star of stage and screen you probably remember from the british empire and absolutely fabulous we have the amazing harriet thorpe joining us and we're going to be talking all things acting media women and getting older so stay tuned for that Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton, Natalie Campbell and this week we are also joined by actress extraordinaire Harriet Thorpe. (laughs) Thank you so much. Very excited. Um, so Harriet, thanks so much for being here. We actually met a few weeks ago at the Diversity and Media Awards. Absolutely. Uh, we did, which we won. Very much by that. Deserve a deserve. <laughs> Thank you. And <laughs> um, while we were there, you were telling us about a new project you've launched called whatsnextvlog.com. Tell us what that is. Well, when I turned 50, it was suggested to me that I sort out my will and get a free pen, <laughs> do some baking, or go on a cruise. Oh, <laughs> I won't use a word that I would normally use, but (laughs) off. Um, Because it was that extraordinary thing of thinking, am I just defined by my age with these things? Is Is that really what's on offer to me as a woman? Having brought up my kids on my own, I am not defined by a person or my job. I do lots of different jobs. And 
as a woman in this generation here now, we are able to do other things and not just be a granny, however wonderful that is. We don't have to be defined by a golfing holiday with your partner. Thank you. I'd rather kill myself. <laughs> um, you know, so it was to think about as I moved through my 50s, and again, I'm endlessly told what I should not be doing now. Um, when I hit 60, the free travel, loving it, just saying. <laughs> Couldn't be happier to I'm flash well that bit freedom of... Pass. Seriously. I'm right up for that. Yeah. Flashing that plastic, yeah. darling. I'm yeah. on that <laughs> tube or bus, happy as anything. Um, but again, I really thought, well, again, I'm still working. I am not defined by my age. Yet society tells me that I am all the time. And I thought I know the most extraordinary women in this world. And I want to talk to them and to inspire other women who think that is all there is. Also, in the media, we're limited in other ways to, again, having an identity as um, how we're supposed to look more beautiful or younger. Again, something off. You know, I, <laughs> I'm not... No, that's not just who we are. Although you do look fabulous. Bless you, I'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, that's the thing. And so talking to people who are midwives who are in IT at 64, who are, um, you know, working and evolving and defining themselves in our world that our predecessors have built for us, mm. you know, before we've had, we've had education, we've had birth control, we have a voice. Yeah. You, look at you guys. Mm. This is testament to what I'm talking about. But ahead of me, (laughs) but ahead of me, there's no one. Mm. I mean, you know, there are a few people, but not really to say, what the hell am I supposed to do now? And certainly as an actress, it seems like you get to a certain age and then it's basically you can play Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth the first. Probably only if we're a dame, though. (laughs) Yeah, there's only one limitation there as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. But it's just, you're just kind of playing sort of regal old women and nothing else, which doesn't seem to be real Do you think we're getting better at that, though? We were talking before the show and just obviously discussing you being on the show, Harriet, and we were talking about how many, like, older actresses do we actually see on on TV? Do you think it's getting better? Very few. I suppose it might be getting slightly better, but endlessly... It, it's male dominated or there's an all male version of mm. occasionally there's an all yeah. women version of but you know it's like it's tough enough guys step <laughs> over <laughs> get out the way uh, why do you so I guess I'm, I'm probably going to answer this in, in saying it but mm. why do you think that still persists because we're that you're there as an audience women are there as an audience so the excuse that women are not watching or, or, or the audience isn't there doesn't necessarily wash um, you're also creating your own platforms both both on social media but also through theatre. So why are the powers that be not getting it? Because I still think the identity of this generation is that we aren't able or aren't creative in whatever genre you work in. That's so sad, isn't it? That we're kind of just throwing away this talent. One of the things I think is interesting, you've you've picked vlogging as a method of communicating with women who are over a certain age and there's a lot of people who go oh vlogging under 25 that's fine over 25 no not for you do you think actually it's about bringing them back in and being like no we've got a whole platform start using it i think it's the most immediate imagery really and although yes i mean most friends of mine are barely on facebook of my age yeah just now on facebook but you talk about insta or twitter or anything else no way they don't know what you're talking about and you know i think it's the immediacy of filming something and hearing somebody speak, like TV. I remember my gran- grandmother saying, oh, I can't, I can't work a video, darling. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to be that person. Yeah. You know, we can and we will. And that's part of my journey is to go, no, no, we can do this. This is how you set up this account or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. And so tell us more about... Um, I guess your your different projects. So we were just talking about your your theatre expedition, and you're you're moving all over the UK. Yes, I'm playing a fabulous woman. I am. I'm playing Princess Margaret in a play called A Princess Undone, about a particular time in her life when it was a renaissance, really, when she kind of come back, as it were, um, after her marriage had was dissolved, um, and it's one particular evening when she's trying to gather together anything that may be harmful to any of the members of the family in the press. Mm. And it's funny and it's poignant. 
Do you think she's... So she's terribly misunderstood, Princess Margaret, wasn't she? She was seen, or, or was she not? Like, that image of her is a bit of a battle axe of somebody who would say things... I think there's very conflicting images yeah. of Princess Margaret, as there are for anyone in the public eye, Yeah, pretty much, especially if you're a woman. And again, one wants to label mm. people so we know we can decide who they are and feel better or less than. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of, that's the deal. It's interesting that you said that because I have her in mind as quite a rebellious, feisty, badass woman that was basically saying, actually, this is my life. I'm not the queen, so I'm going to live it on my terms. Um, but I didn't know what you just said. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. Can, can we go back to uh, your days on the British Empire, which I remember watching in my younger days and just loving your character. Mm. But we were talking about earlier, so you played this hilarious character. Tell us a bit more about your character. for the, Carol. For Liz- Carol. Carol, the Carol. Yeah. Carol, who was a single mother, um, which I turned of out twins? to be. Was she single mother well, she twins had her or son. Okay. And then there was a strange evening with Britus <laughs> in a tiger costume. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and then she had twins. And yes, I remember that. There was a confusion. Oh. So actually, I think Carol has twins that belong to Mr. Britus. <laughs> But she was, was she suffering from postnatal depression? Like, oh, we were laughing at the time, but we were talking today. We were like, actually, if you brought that back, (laughs) it's much, much darker. Yeah, it would be. But I think it was amazing. Ahead of its time on so many levels, there were two Mm. boys who were together. This is in the Mm. 90s. Yeah. Who were together, openly together. The only person who didn't understand it or was unaware it was Britta's, who was the (laughs) butt of that joke. (laughs) How ahead of its time was that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was wonderful. Um, Carol, single mother. Yeah, working, single mother, sensibly, had her children in the drawers. Yes. It made sense. And and her son in the cupboard. Yes. And actually, there was a day when Pippa Hayward, who plays Mrs. Britus, and I were both had our daughters at the same time. And we had a sort of crash outside the rehearsal room. And there was one day when I was washing my daughter's clothes in the ladies' loo, thinking, life is actually imitating yes. art. <laughs> my daughter to work with me. <laughs> So working, so real working motherhood. Was, yeah. was that the case? Has, has that been the case always, throughout your career? Yeah. Always. But I, again, my mother, writer Gillian Freeman, um, and my father always worked. But my mother, as my, I sort of defined my understanding of being a woman, I always assumed I would work. My mother's mm. a writer. She always worked. And we went all over the world because of her work. Yeah. And um, I never thought that I wouldn't. And I'm always doing more than one thing. I have a company that does presentational skills with my sister who's also an actress. Mm. Um, We work internationally and using the theatrical sort of uh, toolbox, yeah, which is fun. I teach at lots of drama schools. I'm doing the vlog and I do, I just like working. Mm. Harriet, who are your role models? Because you've worked with some amazing people. You've been on AbFab. I know Jennifer Saunders and Joanna Lumley. You hang out with all those amazing women. Well, Jen and I were at drama school together. Oh, okay. So we've known each other for 40 years and been friends for that long. Um, And yes, I mean, absolutely, I so admire her. She's extraordinary and creative and endlessly funny. Um, uh, Sean Phillips, another actress, uh, absolutely inspires me. Mm. She's really irritating. She runs up the stairs faster than I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really rude. (laughs) She's fantastic. Whenever I speak to her, she's just off to do Pilates or something (laughs) in between a million other jobs. She's always working. She's absolutely wonderful. I think other women in the world also inspire me, you know, who I actually interview on my vlog who um, midwives who are doing 12-hour shifts bringing life into this world every single day yeah amazing you know do you think we so do, do, do we spend enough time celebrating you know the everyday heroes the women that keep life moving or are they I'm often not, unseen I'm not sure we're always conscious of them mm. I think we just take them for granted really and I think it's hard being a working mother because there are often times of guilt when you think well I'm working or I was doing eight shows a week in the evening I'm not there in the evening for my kids you know so and that was for two years for instance in Wicked but then you have other things my daughter would come into the dressing room with her homework and have a different you know that you learn other independent things as children from working mothers Mm. you learn all sorts of things to serve you and give you life skills there's no right or wrong way really is Mm -mm. there I think no and just finally what has been the highlight of your career and what would you still like to do is there anything outstanding that you're like that's the goal I just it sounds really naff but I just whatever I'm doing at the moment is what I love Mm. because I'm lucky to do it 
And I loved the point you made about actually, I do all these things. These kind of portfolio, you keep juggling them. Well, I think it's it so important. Interesting. It's so important not to be defined by one job, because yeah. then if you don't have that job, then you are nothing. We can't be. We have to be defined by you know I am Harriet and my job is that. So I'm detached from handing my life over to something that may not deliver. Done enough of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> at what point did you realise that? Because I think there are lots of women that are still trying to get to that place. I think I began to learn it in my 30s. But I learned it because I didn't... I wasn't told it. And again, as a woman, you try and prove yourself. As my mother, I remember saying, I always get my scripts in early because I'm a woman and I've got kids and I'm always ahead of the game. So I think I, I, think I knew it, but I began to realise it because I... There were times when you're plate spinning so many different things mm. and then you feel empty and you think, what, what's this about? And then you have to think, well, it's for me to define myself and not wait to be told whether I'm valuable in this world. Love it. Define yourself. There's a t-shirt there. T-shirt. There is. <laughs> There's a principle in there as yeah. well. Great I'll wisdom. be invoicing. <laughs> <laughs> That's some great wisdom there. Um, Harriet, you're going to stay in with us for our Badass Balls Up. Sure. Share some wisdom. Thank you very much. Um, before we do that, though, on 23rd of September, talk radio listeners to Badass Women's Hour may have heard some bad language that was broadcast in error. Badass Women's Hour and Talk Radio would like to take this opportunity to apologise for any offence caused. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour. All the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter. I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we're also joined by the amazing Harriet Thorpe. <laughs> Could you come with me everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're expensive, <laughs> though, Harriet. We're expensive. I'll pay, trust me. <laughs> Uh, so it's that time of the week where we try and use our combined wisdom over a hundred years, a hundred years of mistakes made and lessons sort of learnt uh, to help you with your problems. It's our badass balls ups. And this week, this week you're a little bit different, which I quite like. Emma, what have you got? So there's an interesting one for you all. This comes from Megan on um, Facebook. She said, I've been living and working at the city life for almost a decade now, and I love the bars, I love the people, I don't even mind tourists. However, as the years go by, I become more and more uh, aware of the quality of life I could have somewhere else. I'm thinking about nice clean air in Sweden, maybe, or the warm sunshine of Portugal. Should I just stop thinking about it? Should I stop thinking about it and actively try to relocate to a different country or shall I just hang in there? It is hard, isn't it? When you're sitting in the smog and it's all a bit grey and you can't be anywhere without hearing some sort of noise. I do think city life 
can get a bit grinding. And you mm. see it on social all the time. I see people relocating to like, and I'm like, actually, if I sold up my house. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah. You mean you're not in love with plaster anymore? <laughs> I mean, I love E13. <laughs> I love E13, but yeah, every now and again. Uh, yeah. Well, you see, I'm a city girl. Yeah. And the idea of going to the country, I'd open a vein. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and I also think there is that when then. Mm. When I have this, then I will be happy. Mm. And absolutely, you mentioned Sweden. You think, yes, I'm there. You think yeah. Italy or mm. who, some <laughs> beach, some mountain where you can absolutely. But what you do is the first thing you put in your bag are your problems. Yes, so if you think true. things are going to change, they, they may not. Yes. But yeah. you go with, <laughs> yeah. you go with the, the journey. That's and so sometimes true. that's the problem. Yes. And, and again, what you are you running from? Are yeah. you running from something or are you running to something new? Is yeah. the fundamental of, of what you should be asking yourself in this relocation. Right about now, though, because the weather doesn't know what it's doing and we're getting <laughs> to that January, Feb period. I'm on the plane. I'm, all, I'm on, on we, the plane. We talked the other <laughs> the day, plane. didn't we, Natalie? We were on the way down to the coast and we were like, actually, if we just got four of our mates together, yeah. we could all chip in and buy ourselves a little holiday home on the coast, plus invest that money. Yeah. And then whenever you're having a like, I'm done with the city, you can go down there for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. but then the shop's closed at five. Yeah, exactly. Good okay. point. And yeah. there's no cinema. And yeah. don't and there's no Wi Fi. Yeah. I just need no. wine. Yeah. I just need wine. That's all. I hear you. <laughs> I think you need to get to a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first person to tell me that to be honest. <laughs> relocation probably not all it's cracked up to be maybe like try it out before you go airbnb your room for a few weeks mm. go Brilliant. and have a couple of weeks in your new place and see how it feels <laughs> and then when you're missing the wi-fi and the wine come back <laughs> home again uh, so our second problem this week comes from kareen via uh, via twitter and she says i have a great relationship and my partner is awesome they think i'm wonderful they tell me how great i am and they tell me how beautiful i am all the time Nonetheless, I cannot get naked in front of them. It absolutely terrifies me. So I spend my time scurrying around the house, diving under duvets, wrapping myself up. I don't want them to see me fully naked. Is this just me or do other people feel like this too? Oh, I don't know, that ladies. Makes me sad. I think this yeah. is too common. This is way too common. And I think it's really sad. Like but do you, it's that famous scene from Bridget Jones, isn't it? Where you know she's like trying to get out of the duvet while keeping the duvet on, so that her, you know, Mark Darcy doesn't actually see what she looks like naked. And the reality is, like, there's nothing know, sexier than naked. someone who loves their body, who's not, you know, when yeah. when you're insecure about stuff, it's just like you can just see it but when people just really love themselves like it's really hot yeah it's not about the, this other person looking at you and loving you you need to look at you and love yourself so I spoke at the women's health uh, fit night out event and we we spoke we talked about it and I said you know stand in front of a mirror absolutely naked no makeup nothing and just appreciate your body what you like what you'd want to change make peace with it because it's yours and you've only got one of them for the rest of your life and if you can do that and just be like yeah i've got this extra jiggly bit is what it is then actually that other person looking at you means nothing because you've already looked at yourself and appreciated and loved everything about yourself i think it's also what we were talking about earlier is are you going to be defined by an extra mm. bit of flesh on your body yeah and if you are what's that about mm -hmm. and why not give yourself a break yeah. because it's not it's not fair and you wouldn't do it to somebody else why are you doing it to yourself and all that extra stress you're adding on yourself can you imagine the like the the thinking that you've got to do in terms of keeping your body body covered up like that takes a lot of planning the time that i went on the kind of crazy women's i've been on quite a lot of crazy women's <laughs> and i went on one particular one and there was a part of it where you had to get like not i mean there was another part where you had to get naked but not at this point you had to get partially naked at this point and uh, with a partner kind of talk about part of your body that you really didn't like and I always have a big problem with my stomach I'm not a fan of it and so we had to have I had to have a conversation with my stomach where I was like you know how do you feel about me not liking you so much and what would you like me to know and all this type of thing and I had this like really big emotional moment where I was like oh my gosh I'm being so mean to a part of my body that's mm. part of me yeah exactly it's part of me and I remember on the way into this conference I'd walked past a kind of mirrored you know mirrored glass thing and seen myself and my, all my focus had gone on my stomach and I'd been like oh my god I'm like nine months pregnant this is awful and I walked past it on the way out couldn't see it 
And there was just something about taking a little kind of five minutes to be like, actually, you're a part that I either ignore or I'm really horrible to. And so I'm just going to give you a bit of love. Just a little bit of love. Mm -hmm. And you're fine with it. And also there is, you know, ultimately you have one body. Mm. You have one body and it's yours. So stop kind of fighting it and start working with it. It's the one thing in life that we do truly own. Yeah. We really, really own it. We yeah. haven't bought it, we own it, we're yeah. in it, it's ours. So if, if you cannot get to that place of not loving it, it's impossible for you to walk, walk around naked in front of someone else because you, you can't even look at yourself and you're, you're putting all of the judgment that you think is coming from mm-hmm. them. It's your eyes doing it to your own body. Um, so, yeah. That's an interesting concept. That's the that's your body's the only thing you own. I don't like naked people sitting on my furniture. Like, you know when somebody's like, or somebody's No, I, no, I, don't I do that. <laughs> don't, don't, on, don't like, be naked How often is this a problem in your life? <laughs> how many, random naked people are only sitting on your sofa? Yeah, come into your home and like, sit down naked. Harriet! <laughs> I've dated some people that were very comfortable with their body. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our final problem for this week. Nat, what is okay. it? So this comes from you on Instagram. And she says, I'm a bisexual woman in uh, my 30s. I've been with my boyfriend for a few years now and we love each other dearly. The spark is there, the sex is good, but I miss having sex with other women. How can I bring this up with my partner without hurting his feelings? Uh, and at the same time, also try and solve the issue. Oh, interesting one. I don't know. Hang I'm, on a minute. That's isn't that that's pretty much the same as like you're missing having sex with other people, basically. Yeah. Is this? Yeah. A, is it? Are you about to make the case of polyamory again, Ems? Well, you know me. I don't really <laughs> believe in monogamy. <laughs> um, but you know, like I think if you've got desires to ha- still, you know, have sexual experiences with other people, then that's a conversation you've got to have as a couple, right? I agree. Harriet, do you yeah, think can you can you have that conversation? How how would you do that without hurting someone's feelings? I think if you want to be with other people, then you have to say it because then the other person becomes the problem and that's not fair Mm. and if they're equally um have the same information they can make their choices exactly and without that that's that's not equal Mm. and that's not a that's not not an honest relationship Mm. because of course if you want to have relationships physical relationships with other people then you both have to know it and then you can both make your decision if it's not right for you it is then that's fine but I think I'm sure we've always been on the receiving end. All of us have been on the receiving end of, at some time or another, somebody else, if you've decided to be together, going off with somebody else. Mm. And that sense of betrayal, one needs to value the other person enough to say, I want to have sex with somebody else and not make them the problem. Yes. So true. I think that's a great point because actually when we don't say it to people, what we're doing is we're putting a judgment and an expectation of their response. Because you don't actually know what his response to this is going to be. He might be kind of open. He might be, okay, well, let's look at it differently. Let's look at our relationship from a different point of view. Let's look at actually how we could do this, how you could do this, how I could be happy with it, what I need from this. And if not, then you're both free to do your own thing. And that's also valid. But that person is equal to you and has a choice, like you do. Yeah. Uh, so equally I'm just going to replay information that you guys give to me so basically listeners I learn all of my sexual stuff through <laughs> Harriet and Emma there are lots of things I didn't know and then they have conversations and I'm like what's this and I'm like okay and so when we were talking about this before you told me about Skirt Club Skirt, Skirt Club, Club which yeah. is it is a regular night for women who are either bisexual or think they might be bisexual to go and meet other women who feel the same um, and it's lovely and it's organ- brilliantly organised and filled with, well, from the women I know, some really wonderful women. So, But there are lots and lots of other events like that out there. So actually, if you are sh- thinking that you maybe want to taste but you don't know, like it's, there are lots and lots of places with people who are in the same position. Who you can talk to about it, who you can go and have a great night out with, who you can maybe experiment a bit with. But actually using the internet is a fantastic resource for this kind of thing. Using the internet, talking to people, finding out their experiences and what they've done and how they've handled it can make the whole thing much, much easier. I think we're basically, you've got one life, you've got one body. People start treating both of them respectfully. That's where we are today. We've been so wise. So wise. (laughs) I feel like it's your effect, Harry. It's like your soothing voice. It's quite buttery and it's like it's bringing out the adult. Yeah. yeah. Is that a first? Maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we struggle. We struggle. But we've made progress. This um, Harriet, thank you so much for coming on the show. We have loved having you. If people want to see you, where can they find you? Where is the play happening? The, Where's your vlog? The 
the play is going to be at Salisbury and at Malvern. And then in London next year, at the beginning of the year. Fabulous. And um, then um, the vlog, what's next, vlog.com. Catch it, see all the amazing women like us on it. And, uh, you know, catch up with me there. there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in, Harry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stay with us, because coming up, we are talking about a backdated badass of women from history that you really need to know about. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And it's the time of the week where we talk about our backdated badass, a woman from history that you really need to know about. This week's is French heroine, Saint, a woman with a sword. And she is brought to us by Naz Tavakolifar, journalist and host of The Gender Knot. Hello, Naz. Hey, Harriet. How's it going? Good. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on today. Um, Who are you talking about this week? I'm going to be talking about Joan of Arc. Um, I think you gave the best description of her. So, yeah, she was this (laughs) warrior, a peasant girl with a big vision, and she became a saint in the end. So, yeah, I think she's super cool. So when I think of Joan of Arc, I think of the traditional image of you know, a woman with short hair, holding a sword. <laughs> but I don't actually know what she did or how she got into it. So tell us a bit about her. <laughs> so she was a peasant girl, or she was born as a peasant in France in 1412. And um, France and England were in the middle of the Hundred Years' War. So by that time, the English had invaded quite a lot of France. And the French king had, was no longer the king of France. Um, I don't know what the technical term for that is. But she, when she was about 12 or 13, she started seeing these visions and hearing voices from God and from all these saints saying that she had to go and help the king's son and help him become the king of France again. So she traveled to visit the king's son and demanded to meet with him, and she was turned away. And then she went back the next year and convinced all these theologians about why um, they had to let her speak to the king, and God had sent her. So she convinced the king, and the king let her lead the army in several really key battles um, until he sort of became king again. And then the English caught her, and she was tried for heresy, and she was burnt at the stake. And wow. then she became a saint in 1920. She was made a saint. So, yeah. I'm just gobsmacked Me by too. that. What a woman. <laughs> and can we say she did all of this by the age of 19? Stop. Yeah, Approximately so exactly. 19. <laughs> so uh, anyone who's still thinking, what am I going to do in my life? Um, you know, just saying. Just saying. She was the one, um, uh, I guess, uh, heroine that I learned about in school that was actually presented as a heroine um mm. and i think that's interesting the story it, as you said is it was it was told in that pure way you know she fought some mm-hmm. battles she kicked some ass um <laughs> and I, I don't remember her being young but now you've said it that sort of come back mm. and i think it's interesting that um it, they didn't really get a chance to change this this narrative uh, and uh, you know movies it usually turns into the love story there was some guy that made his reason that she did this or you know something like that I just feel like she was just a badass it was like look yeah. m- someone told me God told me that I needed to help you lot so I'm here I love yeah. that as a as a reason to go up yeah. to like just front things and go well well God t- God sent me yeah I mean if that's not hustling what is yeah but that's the thing that's like, so interesting is like if somebody said that today we'd be writing them off <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah, I, that's what I like it's just like because she sounds also like a pain in the neck I think most great people were a pain in the neck but like the audacity to do that mm. to be like no the king has to talk to me and um i find that quite inspiring like not taking no for an answer you know so mind you i wouldn't mess with a girl with a sword in her hand to be fair i'd be like yep come on through and so she actually so i knew that she was sort of this warrior i didn't realize that she was actually leading battles how Mm. how do you think she commanded that level of respect at such a young age as a woman well, the thing is that I think that's one of those things that historians contest because some people were like, no, she was like symbolically there, but she wasn't actually fighting, whereas some people say she fought. But I guess just the fact that we think of her as leading battles um, is kind of what matters. But I don't know. I've always been interested about, you know, back in the day, like when you'd have these soul women who would enter a really male space and command a lot of respect. Mm. Um, I've, I think that's part of the 
interest I have in someone like her because like you say I I wonder that question too like you know how did some teenage girl get so much respect maybe she was just so good at convincing people but no I know what I'm doing I don't know and how do you know how to lead a battle I wouldn't know where to start (laughs) even all the Google searches I did I still wouldn't really know what I was doing (laughs) Google searches right let's Google how to lead a battle I'm just saying Joan of Arc didn't have Google like where do you find this stuff out (laughs) She had God and she had this true. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's true. And a sword. Yeah, I forget. And exactly. When, when she was finally captured and um, put on trial by the English, do you think, did that kind of cement her as this heroine? Do you, is it, I'm guessing, is it a time in a time in history when actually in order to be a, a hero or a heroine, you kind of had to die for your cause? Do you think it yeah. actually boosted the legend of her? I think so. And also because about 20 years after she died, by that time, the son of the king had become the king and France had sort of gained a lot of power again. He uh, opened, um, what do you call it when you do an, he, he opened an inquiry into the trial and um, all these sort of judges found that the trial had been unfair and that she shouldn't have been burnt at the stake. Um, so I don't know, that in itself is quite interesting that so soon after, I mean, in historical terms, so soon after she died, there were doubts so maybe that kind of also legitimized her I don't know um yeah and the other thing that I think kind of interesting about her is that when they were trying her they were trying her for heresy but Mm. apparently that's a capital crime so they could only um they could only burn her at the stake if they could show there was a repeat offense Mm. and the repeat offense they labeled her with was Mm cross-dressing yeah because she would dress as a man yeah well she wore military clothing which was seen as the clothing for men and therefore that was her offense Basically, they yeah. tried to get her any way they could, yeah. and that was the only thing that, that they had, which mm, is ridiculous. Yeah. And as yeah. for you, what kind of drew you to her? Um, I think it is, I guess when I was a teenage girl, I was really attracted into just the fact that she was so feisty and she entered this space, which would have been so scary for you know anyone, mm-hmm. let alone like a young girl. I, I think it is that sort of audacity and that persistence and that no, not taking no for an answer that I just thought was really cool, you know, and quite inspiring. So, yeah, I think that was that was the thing. Yeah. Well, thank you. You have completely reopened my eyes, Tara. Yeah, I me too. I've written yeah. her off with something from my GCSE history days. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and learn more. Um, so now, Thanks for having me. Thank up. you so much. And as you host the podcast, The Gender Knot, correct? Yeah. yeah? So people yeah. can find that on iTunes, download it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for introducing us or reintroducing us I guess to Joan of Arc our backdated badass for this week Uh, so we're heading towards the close of our show now sad times Um, but I feel like this has been a really fun show this week yeah I've learned loads this week (laughs) I've learned a lot this week feeling very educated yeah um we're heading towards the close and as ever we like to leave you with a little something to think about in the coming seven days um a badass principle if you will to live your life by now what is our badass principle this week our badass principle this week is define yourself and it comes from everything that harriet was saying about the i guess the epiphany that she had the only person that can um, determine how you live and, and, and the way you live as yourself So, that, but in order to do that you have to define yourself and so it will be on, on t-shirts and I'll give her her royalties uh, <laughs> but I, I really like that and from Joan of Arc who defined herself and the fact that she had to go up and, and, and fight this, this war um, through to the women that have stood up against um, Harvey Weinstein uh, in defining a new era of their career I assume depending on what Hollywood does with mm-hmm. this I, I, I think it's... Um, holds a lot of weight this week lovely mm. thanks Ems when did you decide you were going to define yourself What is there a moment that you can recall I think that's a bit of a work in progress because I think that defining yourself I think it's very hard to define yourself independently and not not feel like you need things whether that's a partner whether it's a job whether it's a an achievement so I think I'm very I'm very aware of that now I'm very I'm very aware of my needs versus my wants and if Mm. if I feel that I need something I really check that out because I don't want to be in a position of need where want is a different thing so for me it's about defining myself without needs but still having wants 
think deep, that's really right? that's just deep. <laughs> very, very deep. I mean. It's really interesting because for me, I, so when Harriet said she realised that in her thirties, I definitely had the same realisation in my kind of mid, th- early mid thirties, which was that um, I was some. I had this kind of my the company I was then working for were going through a big restructure, and there was a chance that I could lose my job. And the thing that terrified me most about that was not having, you know, no source of income or, um, you know, not being able to find another job. It was that I wouldn't be Harriet Minter of this company. And I was like, well, that's just bizarre because I'm not, you know, they didn't give birth to me. Mm. I'm not chained to them. Mm -hmm. We could both operate entirely independently. And yet it's so, so scary to me to lose that link. And so I actually made a decision at that point that I was going to really try and define myself separate from that mm. um so that i wouldn't have that like and all said, those things need. change as as that's mm. what i realize as i get older is that nothing is permanent even the person that you you know you meet now you might be with them for one year 10 years 20 years like that everything morphs but if you can define yourself and just be really rock solid about where you are and what you want and you desire one you're happier and two you can just flow with life rather than feeling yeah. like stressed or anxious you know that, that sort of fear of loss or insecurity um just puts you in a not the best place i think fabulous so mm-hmm. define yourself our badass principle of the week um, as ever, if you have enjoyed this show and you want to talk to us about it, you should. You should find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. And Emma. At Emma Sexton. Um, we love to hear from you, so please do. And if you really like us, we have a little podcast extra bit every every week on a Wednesday. You can download that too, just for a little midweek bump. Um, but we'll be here again, same time, same place, next week on Talk Radio. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.